Welcome to the What's the Breakdown podcast. Today's episode seven, Are You Free Indeed? Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm Ben Stevens, your host on What's the Breakdown. Today we're going to be looking at the question of Are You Free Indeed? Specifically, what does it look like to be a Christian? And I'll tie those things together as we move forward. I ask the question of what does it look like to be a Christian because ultimately in this world, it should be demonstrable. You should be able to see that someone is a Christian as opposed to someone who is not a Christian. The Bible is very clear that we're to be known by our fruits, that people should be able to see the fruits of the Spirit that work in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that the Spirit of God is producing in us and has, is leading us to do to do good works. So I want to read a passage to you today. So this is a little different than normal, um, but I want to read a passage to you out of the book of John. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and the, the Jewish people at the time. This is specifically John chapter 8, verses 31 through 47. So I'm going to read through this real quick. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the things your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. So this is a pretty heavy passage and pretty pretty heavy interaction Jesus has here with these leaders and with these Jewish people who are claiming to be Abraham's descendants, and Jesus is like, actually, no, you're not. You're not God's children. You're children of the devil. And a lot of this, um, as we proceed into this discussion today, it boils down to is where do we find our identity? As Christians, because of that title, as Christians, our identity, our purpose, our, our direction in life has to come from Christ. That's why we're called Christians, Christ-like small Christs, if you will. And so the question to you today is, do you identify as God's child? And I think a lot of us want to do that. We want to be God's child because we, we see salvation in that and we see hope in that. But if we are God's child, then that also means that he is our 
father. And so do you identify God as your father? Do you recognize him as your father? Because as a child, as an infant, as a young baby, whether it's a boy or a girl, you are going to trust in God for everything. You're going to trust in your father for everything. Because if we only feel like God is part of our life, like you say, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, and I do this, and I do that, and it doesn't consume all of your life. And this is the battle. I mean, I'm not here to say that I've got this figured out either. This is something that we all have to work on, and this is part of the breakdown in our our faith, is that we claim that God is God over all, God over everything. But oftentimes in our own lives, God just plays a small part, or at least we think we allow him to be a small part of our lives. But the reality is, is that God is only part of our life, then it's quite possible that he's actually not part of our life. Because if he's our father, we have his spiritual makeup. We rely on him. We learn from him. We watch his actions, which we got to see his actions manifest through Jesus's life. Like we got to see what God would do if he were on this earth through Jesus. And then we get to imitate those actions. As children, we are entirely dependent upon him for our food, our protection, our well-being, our future. Everything is dependent upon God. And so we need to start by saying, I am God's child. You know, growing up, um, I played golf a lot growing up. And uh, my dad's a professional golfer. My mom is a um, college golf coach working on her um, LPGA um, certifications. And my dad coached college golf as well. And, you know, my dad was extremely successful um, in, in golf and was actually just uh, inducted into the Kentucky Golf Hall of Fame just recently. But as a kid, playing golf amongst all these other golfers, it was awesome to be able to say, I'm Pat Stevens' son. I'm Pat's son. Because people knew who he was, and I could identify myself with him, right? And for some reason, <laughs> you know, his talent and his ability, just by simply being his son, people would kind of project that onto me. And so so it is with, with God. And as Christians, when we claim that God is our Father, the expectations and the the thoughts towards God and the feelings towards God are expressed towards us as well because when we know that God is good and God is love and we are supposed to be an, uh, an ambassador for him and imitators of him, then we also should be good and should show love and should desire truth. And all the attributes of God, we are to try to mimic or imitate. And so God cannot, as our Father, not just as our Father, but as the God of the universe, the creator of all things, he cannot and will not and should not play second fiddle to any other idol in our life. So I say that to say this, is that identify God as your father and then do what he says. Don't just let him be part of your life. Let him direct your life. Let him pour into your life. Let him provide for your life. Identify him first as your father. And see, that was the problem with these Jewish people is that they were not identifying God truly as their father because they were rejecting the very one God sent. If they knew God, if they knew um that he was good, and they trusted him, and they loved him, and they would have loved Jesus, but they didn't. They loved themselves. They loved power. They loved the law. They loved the idea of trying to earn their way, and yet the bottom line was is that they were actually sons of the devil. And so in order to do this, in order to to stay with God, to, to um, not to earn our salvation or anything like that, but in order to stay identifying ourselves as a Christian and identifying ourselves as a child of God, which is really difficult in our day and age um, because there's so many things pulling on our attention, so many things desiring our, our um, effort and our time and our energy. 
And some of the things are very good things like family and, and our jobs and, and helping other people. But at the end of the day, we can't allow those things to take us away from God. And so to do this, to, to continue to pour out the fruit or put out the, the fruit or produce the fruit that a Christian would do, we need to, and this is what Christ says in that chapter um, 8, verse 31 and 32, he says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So this today, as you're listening to this, wherever you are, whether you're in the car, you're at home, or whatever, are you holding to Christ's teaching? And that word holding is the same word as to abide, like to live or to remain. Are you remaining in his teachings? Like, do we have to ask ourselves, like, what teachings? First of all, if he's saying, you, if you hold to my teachings, you know, then, then you'll, you're my, my disciples. Well, what teachings? Well, every teaching that he, that he gave through Scripture, and that, that means we have to do some work. And so do you know what his teachings are today? Because at the end of Matthew chapter 7, this is at the end of the um, Sermon on the Mount, which is actually a three-chapter-long sermon. Uh, it's quite impressive how he goes from one thought to the next, and it's seamless. It just goes one to the next. But in chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, listen how it ends his sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." See, we're called to do what Jesus says. We're called to obey his commands. That's like building your house on the rock. Okay? And we obey these commands as, a, as of his, the things that he asks us to do. We do this, we obey these commands as a result of loving him. Because we love him, we do these things. But at the same time, it's also how we demonstrate our love for him. If you love me, he says, obey my commandments. Okay? If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Our obedience is produced out of love, and it also is a demonstration of our love for him. And when it comes to studying the word, Paul tells Timothy, we need to study to show ourselves as one approved. Like We've got to know what he's asked us to do in order to do it. Otherwise, we, we don't have the, the freedom or the privilege to say, ah, oh, we just didn't know. We weren't sure. We didn't know what you wanted to do. He's given us his word. He's given us his scripture that we can study and understand it. But we've got to do that. Okay? James, the half-brother of Jesus, actually tells us in his letter not to merely listen to the word and so deceive ourselves, but instead do what it says. See, following Jesus' teachings is an entirely different road than the teachings and practices of the world. I hope we understand that. We, we cannot walk the road of the world and at simultaneously walk the road of Jesus' teachings because it's not just that they aren't always congruent, it's that they are going opposite directions. We are to be in the world but not of the world. We are in Christ. We are of Christ. We are followers of Jesus, ambassadors for the truth. And so we stand for the things that are true and holy and pure and just, and the world that we live in is broken and wicked and selfish and sinful. And so we can't walk those two roads um, at the same time, so to speak, yes, we do walk with Jesus in the midst of this world, but we cannot follow the path of the world because that's the path of man, and the ways of man lead to death, the Bible says. So remember, guys, because Satan is called the prince of this world. 
he also has a kingdom here. Jesus talks about that in in, uh, in Matthew that if Satan if Satan casts out Satan, then his kingdom is divided. All right, so Satan has a kingdom here in this world. He's called the God of this age, and he's called the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Like while we're here, we got to understand there's a battle going on as to who we follow, and these. These people in this in in this gospel in John chapter eight, these these Jewish people thought they were following God, thought they were doing the right things, and Jesus clearly tells them, "Hey guys, you've been deceived. You're not a child of God. You're not you're not one of Abraham's true children because you're a child of Satan. You have followed lies. You have not believed God. That's why you can't understand my voice. That's why you don't listen to me because you do not listen to God. You do not obey my commands. You are not really my disciples." And this should be an eye-opener for all of us that we challenge ourselves as, hold on just a minute, am I doing what he's asked me to do? Because that's what a Christian will do. That's what a follower of Jesus does, follows Jesus. We need to ask ourselves those questions. Now, he tells us that we need to hold to his teachings. And what does he say will happen? If we hold to his teachings, he says we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So, you know, Practically speaking, truth always sets us free from lies. You know, truth stands on its own. It doesn't have to have anybody bolster it or, or push it forward, but rather truth is what it is. And lies can't stand in the light of that because truth is light. Lies are darkness, and light dispels darkness. So for practical, um, you know, um, day-to-day use here, truth will always set you free from the lies. But when we talk about spiritually... What is truth setting us free from? Spiritually speaking, Jesus is the truth. That's what he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the truth, and he is the only way to God. Later on in this passage, he tells us that who the Son sets free is free indeed. But the question is free from what? And this is what I sometimes, I think we we don't think about this a lot of times in our own life, the idea of slavery in our lives, the idea that we may be, under some sort of obligation or um, incarceration to an idea or a way of life that we don't realize. But we are being freed from slavery. That's what Jesus is setting us free from, slavery of sin, that we are, we are a slave to the flesh. And so this sin that, that's in us, Jesus sets us free from that and the obligations and the burdens and the condemnation that come with it And we can now follow Jesus because he set us free. The truth has been shown to us, and we have held on to the truth that he is the Son of God, that he did die for our sins, that he rose from the grave to conquer death, and that we have put our hope and trust in him, and we are following him. We're believing God. And now we become slaves to righteousness, that we are able to do the right things and glorify God. See, our freedom from deception, our freedom from depravity, our freedom from guilt, shame, and rebellion, all these things, this freedom now identifies us as children of the creator of the universe. We're no longer children of the ruler of the world, which is in John 14, 30. Satan's called the ruler of this world. So listen to how Jesus addresses those who claim to be God's children, but they aren't. If we go back to that passage in John 8, I mean, just think about these harsh words, because we know what Jesus also says that there are going to be many who come to him on that day at the end. And say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and all this stuff? 
And Jesus says, depart from me, you doers of iniquity, because I didn't know you. And he didn't know them because they were not his brothers and sisters. They were not children of God. And so when we're reading this and we hear what he has to say, may it prick our own hearts that we are challenging ourselves to grow closer to God, to look the part, not just not pretend, but rather out of a thankful heart that we love others because he first loved us, that we serve others because he served us, that we do unto the least of these, those who are sick, hungry, naked, poor, incarcerated, that we reach out to them as if we were doing those things to Christ himself. We do all these things because the Spirit is living in us. Galatians tells us that if we are led by the Spirit, then we are no longer under the law but under grace. We are under the Spirit. And so Jesus tells him in this passage, he says, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and now I'm here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yeah, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Okay, he said, and he goes on to say that he who belongs to God hears what I say, or hears what God says. The reason you don't hear is because you don't belong to God. We have to ask ourselves this today: Do we love God? Do we love Jesus? And if right now you feel like, hey, I'm not hearing God, I'm not seeing what Jesus has said, you need to ask God to help you, to give you ears to hear, to open up your ears, to help. The deaf hear. You're spiritually deaf if you're not listening to God right now. You're not hearing God. Ask him to open your ears up. Ask him to un, to open up your blinded eyes so that you can spiritually see him and see the things of God so that you can be obedient to him, that you can know the truth, and that the truth can set you free. And so today, our breakdown within the church is that we are not doing the things that he's called us to do. We are not following. We are not learning. We are not desiring the truth. We are not listening to what he has to say, but rather we're trying to add in our own input to make it better. We have to quit ignoring God's word. As Christians, listen to me very carefully, we can no longer supplement our lives with God's truth. They can't just be peppered and and salted across our lives as little things to help us make it through the day, but rather they have to be the very things that lead us into the day. We need to stop adding to God's word or allowing our personal commentary to clarify his word. Because here's the thing. When we add our personal commentary, well, oh, I think he really meant this. And, and, you know, this time period was this. And so the people were were doing this back then. And that's not the same as now. What you're doing, you're using your personal commentary and you're trying to twist the scripture simply so that you can justify yourself in, in a way that sounds religious and holy. And once we stop adding to his word, and we stop ignoring his word, then we need to start listening to his word. We listen to God by way of his word and the Holy Spirit. And this is so important that we get these two things down, that as Christians, if we're going to be free indeed, we have to go to truth, the spirit of truth and the word of truth. God gave us his word to lead us, to teach us, to show us what the church should be like, to show us the history of the church, to show us what God has done, to give us insight into his character and his love for us and his plan for us. But also at the same time, he's given us the Holy Spirit to live within us, to guide us, teach us, remind us, correct us. The problem is too many people try to do one or the other and not both, or they do neither. So many Christians are not led by, so many people who say they're Christians, I should say, 
are not led by the Spirit, they don't read the Bible, and yet they still call themselves Christians. There are so many people who, who they know every aspect of the Word of God, but they are not led by the Spirit. It's just by their own mind and by their own flesh, and so the, the Word is, is null in their life. But then on the flip side, you have people who they claim to be so spiritual and they always are led by the Spirit, and yet they are doing things that are contradictory to God's Word, and yet they attribute it to the Holy Spirit because they simply don't know His Word, and that's why they're deceived. As Christians, we should read God's Word, study God's Word, apply God's Word, and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us, to guide us, to lead us, and we have His Word to show us when it's the Holy Spirit versus when it's a spirit of the world or the spirit of the power of the air. We have to start looking at his word. And so if you want this year, this is January, what is today, the 3rd, I think. Today is January the 2nd. Today's the 2nd, okay? January the 2nd. If you want this year to be the best year yet, and by best, I mean the most God-honoring year you've ever had, then we need to stop listening to someone who's not our father, and that's Satan. So that's all these inputs from the world, all these people coming to us from the world. That is not from God, and we need to go to our Abba Father, the one who created us, the one who has great plans for us, the one who has, has made us in Christ Jesus, it says in Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's workmanship made in Christ Jesus and he has good works that he has prepared ahead of time for us to do. This is the God we need to listen to. Because see, remember, God's promise to Jeremiah and his promise to Israel in the book of Jeremiah can be trusted by all who believe in him. And most of y'all are familiar with this, with this promise. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave us with this today. But in Jeremiah, this is actually my wife's favorite verse. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, God is telling this to Israel through the prophet Jeremiah. And he says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then the next verse says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Verse 13, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. This is such a hopeful passage, guys, that God has purpose for us, that God loves us, but that we also need to seek him. We need to go after him, and, and the way that we do that is through his word and through obedience to his word, trusting the Holy Spirit, so that at the end of the day, we know the truth, the truth sets us free, and by knowing the truth and being obedient to that truth, we truly are his disciples. And in being his disciples, one of the ways that the world will see that we're his disciples, besides the fact that we're producing the fruit of the Spirit, is that they will see how much we love one another. And that's what Jesus told us, that this is my last, this is my command, a new command I give you to love one another. The world will know that we are his disciples by how the church loves itself. And so today... As you go through and you're thinking about your life and you're thinking about your own faith and you're thinking about the things you do, are you free today? Are you free indeed? Because if you're free, you can turn from the things that are sinful. You can turn from the things that are not of God. You can ask for forgiveness. You can move away from those things and never look back because God has set us free in Christ. Seek the truth and the truth shall set you free. And his name is Jesus. Guys, I hope you've been blessed by this. I hope you've been encouraged. 
I look forward to checking in with you next time. But until then, thanks for joining us on What's the Breakdown. Join us next time on What's the Breakdown.